Hello, I'm Erica Lacasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama Podcast. Today we'll be talking about how I beg to differ. Stick around for some hope, healing, and maybe even some laughs. Welcome to another Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today is the 7th of March, 2022. I'm excited to be with you today. And the title of this particular podcast is called I Beg to Differ. And I'm going to tell you, talk to you about the tour portion. And this is actually a really great uh, example of what I'm going to be talking about. But the tour portion, I normally get, um, it's written down. It's actually printed already in what I have, which is called a tour family planning, sorry, the Tor Family Living Planner. And it's a great little uh, planner that I have that I love. Unfortunately, I think I actually found a typo because today's tour portion, according to them, um, is Vayikra, which is accurate, and he called. And it's Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1, to chapter 6, verse 7. And I actually found that to be a little bit longer, um, not by much, but a little bit longer than it should be. Um, you actually jump into the next tour portion if you read that far. So I actually went into my Tree of uh, Life Bible, and it actually does have the tour portions on there, the, the Parsha. And it actually is Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1 to chapter 5, verse 26. So just keep that in mind. Um, Isaiah chapter 43 verses 21 to chapter 44 verses 23 is the half Torah portion and the Brit Hadashah is Matthew chapter 10 verses 1 through 14. I'm gonna be honest with you uh I really didn't want to read this one because I'm not a huge fan. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of Leviticus I'm gonna keep it real it's my husband's favorite book of the Bible and for me I really struggle with the monotony of it. This is me just being real, but um, it's good because, you know, there's a reason there's a lot of repetition in this particular book. There's a reason that Adonai talks about things over and over and over again. It's because it, it takes forever for us to get things through our thick skulls. But this entire tour portion is about um, all of the different sacrifices that they were to um, do, whether they, you know, for sin offerings or for grain offerings and um, un unknowingly sinning. There's another, you know, there's offerings for that and different ways that you're supposed to kill the different animals. And um, it's a bit blood and gore, but um, it's just not my favorite. I'm just keeping it real. Um, definitely not my favorite portion to read. Um but Isaiah kind of goes along with that where Adonai talks about how Israel has not been doing what he commanded, commanded them to do um, with the different offerings and um, how he's choosing to erase um, their sins and, and uh, lift them up um, to a place of honor where they should be. Um, and Matthew has a few little things in there too. I'm going to have you look that up yourself, so I'm not going to tell you what that one's about. But... Today I wanted to talk about I beg to differ. Before I do that though, because my husband made sure that I knew this, last podcast I talked about how we were trying to save our chicken who had hurt her leg and how we had put a tourniquet on it. And evidently I used that word tourniquet a lot of times. 
I am wrong. It was not a tourniquet. It was a splint. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have trouble with words, which is why I think it's funny that God has called me to do this podcast because speaking is not something that I am super confident in doing. So there you go. God calls you to do things that you are definitely not going to be comfortable with. And that's okay. You just have to be obedient. But I beg to differ has to do with uh, some of the things that have been going on in our lives as congregational leaders, but um, really comes down to what I've said time and time and time and time and time again on this podcast, that you are never, ever, ever going to agree with someone else 100%. Not even yourself. A lot of times you can actually disagree with with yourself about things. Um, it's funny because my, I, I was saying that in the car the other night and my husband's like, yeah, you know, I'm the one who, you know, made up that saying. And I'm like, I love you and you're cute, but, um, I definitely had that thought process before we got married, but no matter who thought up this, um, I'm sure it wasn't me or my husband. Um, it's true that so many times we go through life and we get upset because someone has not agreed with us. About something. It could be something really important. It could be something that's not that important. Um, I do want to talk about what differ means, in case you don't know. It means to disagree in opinion, belief, etc. So, for us as congregational leaders, we encounter a lot people who don't necessarily agree with us about our thing. Shoot, even uh, my husband and I do not agree with our rabbi about everything. But it's okay because we're still choosing to be in communion with other like-minded believers, no matter what that is. Although that's not 100% true either. If it's not a salvation issue, I believe that you could continue to be in communion and community with people um, just because you don't agree with somebody 100%. We'd all be alone. And that's not what God has called us to do. Isolating yourself or your family is not what Adonai has called us to do. And I know that, especially in the messianic circles, um, it's funny because I see what happened to the church happening to the messianic community as well. Um, <clears throat> there's a reason there are thousands of denominations uh, just in Christianity alone. Because, why? There was a disconnect. There was a disagreement so much so that others broke off from whatever denomination they happened to be part of and made their own. I actually was talking to a Baptist uh, woman and I was trying to understand why this particular Baptist was different than this other Baptist. And she said actually it had to do with a disagreement with carpets. Carpets, people. We're branching off into our own denominations over carpets. And that to me is like, that is not out of nice heart. Like, do you really think that he cares about the color of your carpet? Like, I'm going to keep it real. He doesn't. Uh, He doesn't care what color carpet is. He cares about where your heart's at. And if we are following him and if we are doing what we're supposed to be doing, if we are praising him, glorifying him and not ourselves. And I just want to remind each and every one of us to not lose sight of what's actually important. You know, even if you look into um, the New Testament, the And the disciples didn't always agree with Yeshua. Um, Matthew chapter 26, verse 6 says, Now while Yeshua was in Bethany at the house of Simon, Hamad a woman came up to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive oil. 
and she poured it on his head as he was reclining at the table. But when the disciples saw this, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? It could have been sold for a lot and the money given to the poor. But Yeshua, knowing this, said to them, Why do you cause trouble for this woman? She's done me a mitzvah. You always have the poor with you, but you won't always have me. For when she poured this oil on my body, she did it to prepare for my my burial. Sorry. Amen, I tell you. Wherever this good news is proclaimed in all the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Some of you are like, well, that wasn't really a disagreement. It was. They wanted to sell the perfume to help the poor, which isn't a bad thing. See, that's the other thing. Like, our disagreements can definitely be something that's like, this is a good thing. We think we should be doing this. Okay. But do you understand why he said no? Because he saw what they did not. He knew what they did not. Their eyes had not been opened yet. They did not understand that Yeshua was going to die. They didn't get that yet. They didn't understand. And I think for a lot of us, we jump to conclusions before really thinking about it, before really praying about it, before truly getting into the word, not listening to what the world is telling us, what a YouTube video is telling us, what even just another pastor is telling us. Does it align with what the word of God says? Or are we taking things out of context so that we can do what we want to do? Change things up so that we can be in control. I mean, you know, I've, I've talked about before. I have control issues. I absolutely admit to that. I have control issues. But I also try my hardest to, especially when I'm hearing the voice of the Lord or I'm reading something and I'm really like, man, that's really speaking to me. And then the Holy Spirit kind of nudges me and says, what are you going to do about it? I listen and obey. I don't say, well, maybe that's not what he meant here. Maybe this is really what it is so that I can continue to have some form of control that I feel like I've lost in my life. I'm sure some of you are like, what in the world is she talking about? So some people, um, even in the Messianic community, tend to be excited, be part of the community, um, become... Um, join with other like-minded believers and, you know, kind of like a church, like we have our congregation on Saturday and then they realize that they're not the ones in control of the situation anymore. And so in order to take back control, they will find things in the Bible, find other people who will agree with them and say, Hey, this is what I want to do. The problem with that is, is what you end up, stop going to the congregation. You isolate yourself and or your family and then you walk this journey that we're supposed to walk with each other on now some may say oh you're venting but i'm not like this is a constant problem like somebody like this is before my time even in the congregation we go to there was a person who left our congregation because during christmas time the Baptist church that we meet in and have no control over what they do because we go there rent-free, put up a Christmas tree. And obviously, I, I don't celebrate Christmas. I don't like having Christmas trees up. I don't think that it has anything to do with Yeshua. They had this Christmas tree up there. 
well, they chose to leave the congregation because of the Christmas tree. That's what they said. But let's just be honest. That was just the excuse that they gave. There's obviously some other underlying issue that they're choosing not to deal with. And because of that, the whole body of believers suffers. Why? Because each of us is a part of the body of Yeshua. You know, I might be a, a nose, you might be an ear, my husband might be an eye, <clears throat> somebody's the feet, somebody's the hands, you name it. When you choose to isolate yourself and no longer become and be part of the body of Yeshua, you take away from somebody. You could be the arm, and now they don't have an arm in that body of, of believers until, you know, God will pl- plant somebody else there because you've chosen not to do what he's called you to do. There have been many times where, like, I didn't necessarily even like what was going on at the church I was going to, you know, before I became messianic. And I was like, man, I do not like this particular person in the church. So I don't want anything you know, to do with this place anymore. And yet God was still convicting me to be part of that church. Why? Because I had a part to play. I was part of the body of Yeshua. And I think it's just so important to remember that when we choose to isolate ourselves and walk away from the congregations that we may, may have joined, that we need to make sure that we are not hurting the body of believers and that this is what Adonai wants you to do. It's not what Erica wants to do, not what Ben wants to do. It's what Adonai has called you to do. Adonai has called you to move along. You know, maybe start your own congregation. Then great, that's fine. But I also would encourage you if you choose to, to leave and do that, you speak to the, the leaders and the elders and explain what's going on and why you're, you're doing what you're doing. It kind of just like baffles me when people stop coming, uh, coming to a congregation and there's no actual like conversation about it. I think people are so scared of confrontation, especially nowadays, that um, they just don't want to deal with it. So they simply walk away without any excuse, no reasoning, no, hey, this is what we really feel God's calling us to do. Get the blessing of the congregation you're with. Um, because I don't know, you know, I can't speak for other congregations, but I know that Ben and I would do that. If you came to us and said, Hey, I really feel like God is leading us in this direction. And it was biblically sound. We absolutely would be like, all right, well, you know what? God bless you and, and be on your way. Now, the other thing is this, if someone chooses to leave your congregation, that doesn't mean that you ostracize them. You don't like excommunicate them. We're not the Catholic, uh, church. Um, you know, where sometimes, depending on what you do, you can become excommunicated. No, we are called to love everyone. Treat everyone as your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? So even if they do choose to leave, you know, be like, well, I'm not going to be friends with them anymore. Okay. Um, that sounds like your flesh talking, and that's not biblical. You might be hurt. And it doesn't mean that you can necessarily have the same relationship you had before. But it doesn't mean you have to cut them off completely. Now, obviously, this is not in relation to anyone who is dealing with an abusive situation. I myself have been part of a church that ended out be, uh, ended up being rather abusive. It was verbally abusive, and I, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And I didn't understand what was going on. Had been going to this church for years and years and years, and the pastor left me. Uh, when I let him know that we were leaving because we were moving to a different state, um, you know, and I was part of the, the, I was a youth leader. I was a worship leader. 
he let me know that I had a Jezebel spirit. And to me, I was like, I feel like that pastor was lashing out and wasn't actually about me because one, he had a thing about women. We'll get into that. You know, we'll talk about that whole thing in uh, another episode, but two, he let me become a leader in his congregation and not until I left did he let me know what he really thought about me. What does that tell you? He's got his own issues. That's what it tells you. And it was abusive. And I'm like, okay, well, obviously I don't really need to continue being in a relationship with this particular pastor and what his belief system is. I didn't cut myself off from everybody in the congregation though. I'm actually still friends with some of those people in the congregation. One, because they had no idea what was going on. Two, thankfully the pastor has left. Um, so that's good. But man, I tell you what, yes, there are abusive people there. And you know what? If you were looking for the perfect congregation, you're going to be looking for the rest of your life. Wait until you get to heaven because it's not going to happen because if there are people in the congregation, it's not going to be perfect. And I think we need to remember that and stay firm on that. So if you encounter somebody who is trying to tell you, Hey, there's more than one way to heaven. You can agree, disagree with them. And obviously don't take any spiritual advice for them because what does John 14, six say? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That makes it pretty clear. So either Yeshua is a liar or he speaks the truth here. And there is no other way to get to heaven, to be with Yeshua, to be with Adonai, except through Yeshua. It doesn't mean necessarily that you can't be friends with them. I've been friends with people who aren't believers and they have weird ideas. It doesn't mean that I'm like, you know, they're my best friend and I take my my wife advice from them or anything, but it doesn't mean you have to ostracize them either. And I think that that's a mistake that we as Messianic believers do. There's a difference between being set apart to Adonai and being so set apart that the only ones that we actually communicate with are ourselves or our family, like our, our immediate family members. So like your husband and your, your kids. Um, that's a mistake. And I don't think that's not what God call his calls to do. It's not biblical. So I know and people are like, man, she's really bent in today. I am a little bit because it's really disheartening and I'm not taking it personally when people do it, but it's an observation that I have made myself where when things don't go exactly the way that you want them, we simply pick up and leave. In life, you can't do that. If you, your children see you doing that on a regular basis, you're teaching them that that's the way you should be. And that's not what God's called us to do at all. He's called us to live in fellowship and be with each other. And I know like, you know, this is not something new. This is not something I you know, haven't talked about in my podcast so many times, but I still think it's worth saying and repeating again. We are not to walk this life alone. And I don't mean, well, yeah, you should get married. No, that's not what I'm talking about. We are not to walk this, this walk with Yeshua alone. We are to do it in communion, in fellowship with one another. And when we lose sight of that, because we get so set in what we think maybe the word of God says, we miss out on a big portion of what 
Yeshua has for us. And I think we get so stuck in our own ways that we for, we lose sight. We lose sight of what it is we're supposed to actually be doing. I know when Ben and I first came into the Messianic uh, movement, it, it was all black and white. It was, if you don't do this, you're a sinner. You know, you're supposed to do this. This is how it's supposed to be done. There is no other way. And if you don't do it this way, then you're wrong and you're a sinner and we want nothing to do with you. What was the problem with that? The problem was we literally, we ostracized a lot of people. We basically were talking down about a, a lot of people because it's like, well, I'm right and you're wrong. And let me, let me show you why you're wrong. It was more like, you know, that's not what God's called us to do. He's called us to love each other. We're allowed to have discussions. Absolutely should have discussions about the things we agree on and the things that we disagree on. In fact, that's one of the reasons I love the Bible study we have in our home, which we're having even tonight. We have people who are not Messianic even coming into our homes um, and having a Bible study with them so that we can discuss the things that we agree on and what we don't agree on. The biggest thing that, that Ben and I disagree with our rabbi on is creation. It's kind of a big thing. Ben and I actually believe in what the word of God says. We believe there were actually seven days, you know, the seventh day he rested. And, you know, for the rabbi, he believes in evolution. Which, you know, it's like, okay, well, there could have been a big bang. Sure. But we don't believe that there it was millions and millions and millions of years. I understand why a lot of people believe that. Because it's hard for our small minds to understand that God literally could create everything in like a millisecond. He lives outside of time. So it's not that big of a deal. Um, but the word of God doesn't say millions of years. So we don't believe that. But you know, we choose to love each other. The rabbi, rabbi and I and his wife and my husband, we all get along. And we have discussions about it every once in a while, but it doesn't like, our entire relationship doesn't revolve around that. And that's okay. It's okay to be in disagreement with somebody. But we're still to love our neighbor as ourself. That doesn't say, oh, ignore our neighbor so we can do what we want. To love our neighbor as ourselves. Anyways, I'm... I'm done being off, uh, being on my soapbox and, uh, <laughs> praise God. My family and I are recovered from the COVID again. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. The Lord has healed us and that was, um, amazing. Um, I'm looking forward to the rest of this month. It is getting warmer, which I'm not super looking forward to. If you have heard my podcast before, I'm a fan of the cold, not so much the heat. My skin doesn't really care for that, but I'm excited the rest of the day. I'm going to go spend uh, helping set up our new chicken coop for our chickens in the backyard. And I pray that you guys have a happy, healthy week that you choose to step outside of your comfort zones, meet with people you wouldn't necessarily always meet with and talk with them about what their beliefs are and what their thought processes are. Because in doing that, you might actually be able to bring someone to Yeshua. With that being said, I'm going to leave you with the ironic benediction in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Bashem Yeshua, Yeshua Sashalom, in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. May you have a blessed week and I will be back next week.
please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com. That's E is an Echo, L is in Lemur, M is in Mike, M is in Mike, M is in Mike, the number three at ProtonMail.com. You can also leave me a one-minute voicemail message on anchor.fm slash Erica LaCasse, and it should have a button right there to say, leave a voice message. Remember to keep it short and sweet if you have any questions or you just want to leave a nice little comment. I would love to hear from you.